Welcome, this is indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who is taking some time off today. Our co-host today is the one and only Jeff Wiggins, Rebel HQ contributor extraordinaire. Welcome, Jeff, appreciate you coming back on the show. Brave, you're brave to sit with me again, okay? It's a different experience. When Dr. Ritchie is not here. Um, let's get right to it because uh, this first story comes out of your neck of the woods. A 13 year old boy is gunned down in Columbus, Ohio. And the man who does the shooting says it's self defense and that's good enough. It goes away. Let's tell you more about that case uh, that happened in October, October 12th. Was the date, Columbus Hilltop neighborhood. Uh, Sinze Reed, a 13 year old fatally shot, 36 year old Craig Butler Sr. The shooter, an eyewitness who knows Butler, saw him exit a red truck and fire multiple times at Sinze, striking him several times. Butler then got into his vehicle, fled the scene. Butler was previously convicted in Franklin County for misdemeanor domestic violence. <laughs> and according to court records, which under federal law would prohibit him from having a gun. But there he was, October 12th, in the neighborhood, shooting down, killing the 13 year old. You see his picture there, Franklin County Prosecutor's Office previously filed a murder charge against Butler Sr. in Franklin County Municipal Court in connection with Sensei's death on the same day as the shooting. But a week later, prosecutors filed to dismiss the case. That was on October 19th. Franklin County Municipal Court Judge Mike McAllister accepted the motion and dismissed the case. Meaning the $1 million bond Butler had been held on no longer applied. And Butler simply walked out of jail, he was released. Let's give you more background of why Butler was let go. Here's what we've learned, Columbus Police Homicide Detective Keith O'Connor said, that there has been a claim of self defense by Butler and his mother. But the detective declined to comment further, citing an ongoing police investigation. Again, the charges are dismissed already. Sensei's not a bad kid at all, Nicholas said. How was a grown man scared of him? He did not deserve to die. Franklin County Prosecuting Attorney Gary Tyak's office said it is standard practice for almost every felony case filed in municipal court to be dismissed. Not every case initiated in municipal court is presented to the grand jury. This according to the release. This particular case is still under review for possible presentation to the grand jury. And unfortunately, I cannot advise you when the case will be presented to the grand jury. That from the Columbus Dispatch. Franklin County First Assistant Prosecutor Janet Group, who leads the criminal division, said the office would not comment further on a matter that is under review. Sensei's sister, Michaela Nichols, said the prosecutor's office has not even communicated with their family and did not warn them. Butler Sr., who lives nearby, would be let out of jail. Jeff. The first thing that surprised me in this case was on the same day, murder charges were filed. The next, of course, a week later, without really any kind of explanation that the public deserves. And you can comment more on how people are outraged, what people are saying in your community. Explain to us your thoughts about it, but also 
what people are saying there? Because here we go again. Well, yeah, the first thing I thought when I came across the story was Ohio, as of April of 2021, eliminated their duty to retreat before using force kind of law. So what we know is stand your ground. And it goes like this, if someone shot in self-defense, the burden was on the shooter to prove that's why they did it. Well, now with the stand your ground law, the burden shifts to the prosecutor to prove the shooting was not justified. And that includes homes and cars, which would be in this case. So I was surprised that more information hasn't come out about that, because that's what I was looking into myself. Yeah, the community is devastated, absolutely. And as of 2020, I believe the the three neighborhoods in the city of Columbus, where homicide is most prevalent is Linden, it's Franklinton and Hilltop where this took place. This is tragic and it's horrible and I hope justice is served. Because as I just read from this law, prosecutors are gonna have to prove that he didn't have to retreat. Meaning this 13 year old child was gonna put him in some kind of danger somehow. Um, I don't know if there was a weapon found or anything like that. And according to the family, he wasn't like that. So I'm just hoping for the best in this situation, which would be justice. This man being put behind bars because they're not gonna get their child back. We're not gonna get a, a member of this community back either. So let's do the right thing here. Yeah, and do the right thing depends on who you ask, apparently. And this notion that prosecutors, their hands are tied, you know, because of this this new law on the books, that that's that's phony too, right? Because why not put it to a grand jury? Okay, why not put it to a grand jury and let people decide? And I would guess that if they found a gun on the 13-year-old, around the 13-year-old, we we they would make sure we knew that, right, Jeff? Oh yeah, when a sheriff deputy shot and killed Casey Goodson Jr. shot him in the back. The first thing they said was, "Oh, there was a gun, there was a gun. Yeah. So we would have known by now if there were a gun, there would have been evidence of it, maybe a picture of it disseminated to local uh, local journalists and local newspapers and local news. I haven't heard about that, but again, then again, this happened in October and I didn't hear about this until a couple of days ago. So like I said, Hopefully the grand jury will take this case and do what's right. But as much hoping and wishing I can do, we never know with these situations. Yeah, remember they said, you know, we may present it to Mm. a grand jury, but based on the way they've treated the family here, according to, you know, the sister, they haven't even communicated, didn't even give them a heads up that, oh, by the way, the guy who's charged with murder, Butler Sr. He's gonna walk out of prison today and come right back to, I guess, close to your neighborhood. Said he lives nearby. So based on that, does the community, and I know you know you haven't talked to everybody, but just you know, sampling, does the community really believe that there's gonna be any any thought of justice here or any grand jury proceeding here? Because based on what the police are saying, the prosecutor's office, they don't really even seem to care about public pressure and they're not giving much information at all. Well, I can't speak for everybody, but again, you're you're letting someone we know. And look, I, I understand why newspapers and news outlets use the word alleged, okay? I'm aware of why they do that. This man shot and killed someone, a child. That individual is a danger to society right now, and he was let go. So if there was an idea of justice being served, the, the, the first instance of him being let out made everyone question if that's actually going to happen, and I understand why. Yeah, and you know this alleged—he's not denied 
that he's the shooter. Just mm. he and his mother say it's self-defense. And I guess I'd say this for this this law that's on the books. Do you have any doubt that if the if you were somehow in, in Butler, and I can't see how you would ever be, but Butler Senior's shoes, right? And you had perpetrated this. Do you think that that you know what I'm getting at, right? Yep. No. No. There's no. No. I would assume the worst for myself. I would assume expeditious justice would be coming to me if I was in the stand your ground situation. And we can talk about it, by the way, because we know stand your ground became very prevalent across the nation after it came out of Florida. Um, and yeah. no, yeah, and I don't assume, no, that a law like that would benefit me in any any way, honestly, no. So um, again, we'll see, I'm, I'm very much hoping for this family, for the community, for that neighborhood in particular. Because that man's going to continue to live there, and he has proven to be a danger to society. And I can't see what a 13-year-old child did unless that child had a weapon. I can't see what that child did to make him fear for his life. But I guess we'll find out when evidence is is, is shown. Yeah, if if it ever comes to that, I suspect if, if you were in that position, if you made it to your first court appearance, you wouldn't look like that. You probably look a little different. Okay, something would be swollen or perhaps bruised. Um, but it's a story we're going to keep following because at the end of the day, this 13-year-old boy, a child, gone, the family getting really no answers here after charges filed, murder charges, the first day. We will move on though, Tampa cop loses his job after dragging a woman through jail. Let's take a look at this because it's really despicable, okay? And remember, they know cameras are in the courtroom here. When the I got the right to get out the car when they had a right to get in the car. Miss Marshall, hmm. get out the car, come on. Miss Marshall, I'm gonna drag you out of this car. I already know I don't wanna drag you out, me. but I need you to come get I out the car. Do what you did off the porch of the doctor's office. Come on. Drag me. Come on. I want you to drag me. Come on. Yeah. That's what you're going to have to do. That's what you did at the porch. That's what you want to do. In, and I want you to get that thing. Guess what? Because I was raised a tomboy in Central Park Projects. So guess what? I'm used to being rough. Yeah, I meant to say body cam footage there. It really is horrific. It's horrific to watch that as the officer even pauses, it's talking to someone, um, holding this woman by her hair. And for those people, Jeff, I'll come to you first, then fill in more details. You say, well, she asked him to drag her. Suspects, people in custody say a lot of things. Well, yeah, he didn't have to oblige. I mean, uh, how many people across the country have gone, 
hands up, don't shoot. And well, you know the rest. Mm -hmm. But look, I've been in the back of a police cruiser handcuffed. Don't ask questions, just one time, roll with it. And I'm just wondering why he couldn't leave her back there before he got some assistance in order to help with the situation. But I'm sure you'll have more information coming up right now. Uh, Gregory Damon. Uh, who's been with the department as a patrol officer, uh, Jeff, since August 2016. Can we get all the rest of the, can we get years of body cam footage from this officer? I suspect <laughs> there's more, okay? Uh, fired though, there's this, fired on Tuesday for this November incident at the Orient Road Jail. Damon was initially only placed on administrative leave, you know how that goes. The department conducted an internal investigation and this time they really, apparently conducted an internal investigation and determined he violated multiple policies related to searching, transporting and booking prisoners. Courtesy to the public, reporting response to resistance, treatment of persons in custody and more. So this was a real one, okay? This is a real one that the public has apparently complained about for a long time, but wanted to be judge, jury, executioner perhaps uh, on the spot. Interim Tampa Police Chief Lee Burkhall said, quote, professionalism is not only expected, it is demanded in every encounter our officers have with the public. Regardless of the arrestee being uncooperative or unpleasant in return. Now, that's all we've been asking. Isn't that all we're asking for? Okay, you're supposed to protect and serve. And that includes people who you're transporting, people who you're arresting. More background, Damon was one of the officers called to the Tampa Family Health Center November 17th about someone sleeping outside the property refusing to leave. TPD said this, the woman was previously warned for trespassing on the same property a month prior to the incident. So she was arrested and taken to jail by Damon. When they arrived at the jail, the woman refused to get out of the patrol car. You saw that, you heard that. Didn't want to walk into central booking, according to the police department. On the body cam video released by the police department, again, you heard her yelling at the officer, I want you to drag me. Well, the video then shows Damon, of course, taking her by the arm, dragging her from the vehicle and the entrance to the jail where he buzzed the door. That's what he was doing there, prompting other deputies to come to help lift the woman from the ground. Throughout the incident, the woman used vulgar and obscene language, according to the department. But again, you heard what the chief said, right? There's lots of people who are uncooperative. They're not happy about their predicament, they're picked up. So what does that matter? Doesn't give them the right. TPD said in their press release on the incident, quote, rather than remaining professional, Damon himself made rude and derogatory comments to the arrestee. Tampa police also said the woman was uninjured during the incident. Mm. Officials with TPD explained they revised the policy on handling uncooperative prisoners after a similar incident in 2013 with an uncooperative person in custody. They said the new policy added specific language against dragging and said it was never an appropriate practice. According to the department, the correct procedure would have been to request assistance, just like you said, Jeff from the booking staff, lift the person from the vehicle, secure them in a restraining chair to be rolled into intake. 
The department was made aware of the incident by supervisors at the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, which operates the county detention facilities. Damon was relieved of his duties once TPD opened up an investigation into the incident on November 18th. After reviewing the video from the incident and interviewing Damon, they made the decision to fire the officer. That according to the officials. So I guess, Jeff, the question is what we saw was reprehensible, but surely there was so much more here and they knew. Anytime the police say you're out of here, don't you think that that means there was more to it with this officer? And they said, next chance we got, we got, he's a real liability. Yeah, usually in this situation, there's like more to it as in an investigation. And he was asked to be on like, I don't know, paperwork or office duty for a while. Or maybe they were, you know, set aside while they're still getting paid or something like that. For them to come back with this investigation and say you're done is very surprising. And I think it's the right move, sure. But yeah, I'm very much caught off guard by the fact that they were so punitive. Like they got rid of this guy pretty quick. It makes me wonder if it was something else that we don't know about. But look, another thing that I thought of when I saw this story was how do we reform this? Like people who advocate for like more training for police officers, I'm sure he knew what to do. The video shows Damon taking her by the arm and dragged her from the vehicle to the entrance of the jail where he buzzed the door, prompting deputies to come help lift the woman from the ground. Why couldn't he do that and like leave her in the car? That's what I was alluding to earlier, by the way. He could, couldn't he have left her in the car, buzz the other deputies, they come up and then take her? Like, yeah. Where, where's the reform and training in that? I'm sure he knew what to do mm-hmm. in that situation, but chose to drag her instead. Yeah, would it be more stressful? You know, physically stressful too to have this encounter if you're so inclined to behave in this filthy manner. Yeah. And when you say, how do we reform this? I, I couldn't agree with you more. Because at the end of the day, you can have a policy, but you can't have a policy to make people care about other people. Huh. Did not view this woman who, I don't know her full predicament. Okay. I don't know her full circumstance, but we got the report trespassing, sleeping outside, refusing to leave. That would allude to more going on here. She has some challenges. Why is that personal to you as an officer, right? And I do wanna say and get you to comment on one other thing because it seems like these firings and we're so shocked and yeah, it was quick and this and that, and it was. As long as they keep it that way, they're so rare, this kind of swift internal justice by police. We don't get to the next part, which is shouldn't this person be charged with assault? When is it assault? Jeff, don't go dragging somebody by their hair. I assure you, you will get much different. You won't just be fired, okay? Clinkety clink. And I don't know why you were in the back of that police car. And maybe you want to tell us, elaborate. I'm sure, it was a long time ago. You have kids now. It could be a, yeah, a teaching yeah, yeah, moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. They can hear me, by the way. Yeah, no, <laughs> I was driving a car. The police pulled me over. They said I have faulty tags. Apparently, my older sister's tags were on my car, and it was the wrong car. So. So there's there's that, there's that. Now they said, well, whose tags are they? And I said my sister's name, she goes by Nikki. I said, Nikki, they were like, no, it belongs to Arnitra. I'm like, that's Nikki. They assumed I lied. Yeah. And so I spent a night in jail. And look, let me tell you, okay, let me tell you. My kids were watching a Mr. Beast video just yesterday and they were like running around jail for like 50 hours. And I said, kids, it's nothing like that. Yes. It is. That place is gross and it's ugly and so. Did you get a meal in there? No, I was out by the morning. So I spent, I don't know, seven, eight hours in there and I, I never went back and I never planned on going back. 
Okay, so like an episode of Scared Straight. Okay, <laughs> I mean it worked. I don't think you would have much trouble anyway. But I just think that it's time for us to move beyond expecting, you know, firings here. And can somebody else face jail in a uniform? Is it we're not allowed to put any police behind bars apparently, um, or not enough? That's my rhetorical question, much more indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. I'm Sharon Reed in for the good doctor today alongside our co-host Jeff Wiggins. Much more to come. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Jeff Wiggins, Rebel HQ contributor extraordinaire joins us once again. One of our favorite people out of Columbus. Um, one of our favorite people out of Columbia. <laughs> we love you. We love you on the show. We love your commentary. Spin the wheel, Jeff. Um, that's a fan favorite. When you sign up for an annual membership, you will get to spin the wheel to win limited time perks from TYT. And one of those prizes is a join the thunder hoodie. I mean, this thing is tight. Check I want it out. One. I want one too. You can sign up at tyt.com slash spin or just scan the QR code to get started. When we say members make TYT possible, it is not hyperbole. We literally cannot do this thing without your support. And support and comment you do. Let's get to some viewer comments right now. Commenting on the man who killed a 13 year old black teen, claimed self defense and is simply let go. Murder charges dropped. Mickey C the silver haired dragon is back and she says, Let's remember that stand your ground, self defense, castle doctrine and legal carry don't apply to black people. Oh, We know, but thank you, Mickey, for those who don't know, <laughs> okay, but understand that right now, okay? It's actually meant to harm you, not assist you in a crisis. About the Tampa cop losing his job after dragging a woman in jail by the hair, Lynn. Thinking of this quote from Archbishop Desmond Tutu, there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. I love that, Lynn. Oh my god. I love that. Thank you <laughs> for that. Very, very nice. Appreciate your comments. YouTube, more about the man who killed the black teen, claiming self-defense, let go. Love Big 41. Shoots him in the back. And that is self-defense, as people are asking. And about the Tampa cop losing his job, Hayward McCullough says, if it hadn't been caught on video, nothing would have happened. And I tend to believe that, Jeff, because again, where there's smoke, there's fire, okay? This was a very smoke, I think it was on fire right there. He's dragging her by the hair and seems very nonchalant about it, could care less. Uttering the derogatory things in response to the things this arrestee was saying, they knew this officer needs to go. Okay. Well, so. I mean, you mentioned earlier we might want to review all of his body cam footage yep. from whenever he was an officer. So you were you were spot on with that. Yeah, since 2016, um, this is a bad guy. We could say that based on just this body cam footage, but I suspect there is more. But there's lots of people who, if they weren't you know, caught on footage would just say, you know, I can get away with anything. I got privilege. Mm. I can get away with anything for days. Um, and we know these people well, and they all seem to go by the same name. I wish Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're, you're I feel free. Back off! 
I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Regina it was eight pizzas. I'm wondering why it was more than 30 minutes late. Because we have several big orders. I and had in line. one. I ordered at one o'clock this afternoon. I understand that, ma'am, but it goes in line the way it pops up. I can't skip. I'm calling corporate. Please do. Because I will. Because I want my money back. I want to. Because you had big orders ahead of you, too. You wasn't the only one that had a big order for you. But you can leave my store. We don't have time. I just want a pizza. That's all I want. <laughs> he just wants a pizza. Okay, I don't know what all this drama is, Karen, but dude just wants a pizza and you're ruining <laughs> everyone's day. Okay, I was raised in of a school of thought from an early age. The customer's always right, Jeff, and you need to be accommodating. And if you're late, you need to apologize. And if you're wrong, or even if the customer's a little wrong, you just need to make it right. Okay. But the sister stepped in after and said, no, not today. We don't have time for all this. So you tell me this coupon Karen who just wanted <laughs> more. I don't know why she was so upset, okay? Why? Um, because I think she took the hot and ready slogan a little bit too mm. far. Like <laughs> hot and ready is for like, I don't know, one or two pizzas lady. Like how many pizzas are you having them? Make. I think she overloaded the oven. Like, what yeah. does she want them to do? Maybe she's storing them. I know people who order pizza and they put them in their freezer. It's like, for, and listen, Little Caesars. I don't know if I've ever had a Little Caesar pizza, but I'm sure it's great. Whatever. Hey, okay. look, at, there's there's a reason. Yeah. There is a reason that they're A, hot and ready, and B, like five or six dollars. Okay. Right, no frills. Yeah, take that from it what you want, but come on, lady, it's it's like eight pizzas in thirty minutes, which would be a feat. I'm I'm about to review the Guinness Book of World Records to see how fast people can make pizzas because that's got to be amazing if they can make eight pizzas in under thirty minutes and deliver it to this lady. Yeah, what? And if I know her, okay, because I could just tell from her inflection tone and just her overall demeanor. If I know her, these were like she's calling it again. Calling in specialty, and I want this one with extra sauce, right. and this one with it, and remove ten slices of the pepperoni, whatever it is. They're not built for that, okay, Karen? No, they're not built for that at all. And what do you make a dude who came in after her? He witnessed the whole thing, and it was almost like he was kind of saying, "Hands up, like please don't punish me for what she had did." Okay, I'm just hungry, and I just want pie. Okay. Yeah, he was ready for the ready part in the hot and ready. Like I don't even think he cared. What the pizza looked like as surprise me. Just, right? yeah, just give me something. I don't want to be subject to what this lady is going through. Just give me yeah. a pizza. That's why I'm here. Also, he's there and being calm and patient, as you should be in a situation like that. Like, come on now. It's pizza. So <sighs> uh we'll leave her where she is. She's probably calling corporate right now. No response. Uh, we checked from Little Caesars, not not yet. You know, I once ordered a pie and it was late. And I know Shaq a little bit, right? Okay, I've known him for years. So I texted him and I said, it was Papa John's. I mm -hmm. said the pizza's late and then when it finally got here, it was the wrong pizza. Okay, so maybe I got my, maybe I was a little bit of a Karen. Do you know, I was so embarrassed, okay? Because yeah, they got it wrong, but things happen. He called, pulled out all the stops, okay? I'm getting 
notes from corporate, we're so sorry, we're fixing this, we're doing that. And I thought, <laughs> why'd I do this? Okay, who looks bad in that situation? Okay, not Papa John's, not Shaq, who was that involved, he made it right, but me. And I think if these Karens would take a step back, it was a learning lesson for me. And say, you know what? It's not that big a deal. There's hunger going on, there's disease, there's crime. Why so upset over your pie? Why? Uh, who is Little Caesar's version of Shaq? And then how do we get this Karen their number? Yeah, it's a little man, right? And he's got, he's got the dress on. Is it the cake man? Is that their? I mean, but there's got to be a celebrity associated with the joint, you right? Think? Like somebody. Uh, yeah. There's no frills now. Shaq don't come cheap and he owns the thing. I don't know, but the point is you got to take a step back, put things into perspective, and you will live to eat a pie another day. It's really not that serious, okay? It's really not that serious. That's what I told myself. I haven't done it since. Uh, what about, uh, how about a double dose? You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. No, you get out the fucking lot. She don't want me to be there. Move. Go. Go. I'm not telling y'all again. Move it. Clean the now. I know she called it. He called it. Get it up. Y'all got my whole door looking like. 26 degrees, this Karen decides to throw water on a homeless person. 26 degrees, let's tell you more about the incident. It occurred at a Triple S food mart, Baton Rouge. According to the post, it was a 26 degree day when the incident took place. Within a day of the video going viral, the store's owner fired the employee. Now she posted it very proudly, okay? A one woman wrecking crew, an outrageous Karen. Okay, there's some other names you could call her. Fired worker Casey Young defended her actions online saying she tried to get a group of homeless people to leave the store's parking lot and called the police. Where did you want them to go, Casey? Where where did you want them to go? They're without homes, they're in need. And I would think you'd bring someone out a sandwich, offer them some assistance, be gracious. Not throw water on them in 26 degree weather, fired. Why not arrested? There's more. Speaking to WAFB, and again, this is this is a nervy Karen. I'm going to give an interview. Another employee of the store said that Young usually gives homeless people food, but lost her temper that day. I don't believe you, fellow employee, trying to help Casey Karen Casey out. I don't believe you. This is not something. That's not how far you go. If this is just one day of losing your temper, according to the Post report. Homeless woman has since received assistance from the proper services. Okay, and hopefully, you know, some flu medication. Who knows? Okay, pneumonia. What would set in after this kind of assault? It's assault. It's it's outrageous. Okay, we should tell you more though. This store is the same location where Alton Sterling. You remember the name? was controversially shot and killed by Baton Rouge police officers after he was accused of waving a gun 
while illegally selling CDs on the premises. Outrageous, the conduct here. And again, this um, unawareness that these Karens have, Jeff, that she didn't just lose her temper and throw the water as her fellow employee, friend, boo, whoever is reporting to the media. She then took time, it takes a minute, let me get the video, post it from my phone, thought about it, and that's what she did here. Yeah, a common thread for you on today's show is not only people getting fired, but hopefully some assault charges can be brought about. But one thing I'm noticing is just the poor treatment of unhoused individuals, like this is awful. And you said it was 26 degrees there, I wonder what the wind chill factor was if it was windy that day. That would have made things a lot worse. And yet she proudly posted that herself, like she didn't even try to hide it. Like that's messed up, like is she promoting how to treat unhoused people like that? She could have done a bunch of things. I was just looking at some of the comment sections, the comment section is on this video. And someone was saying like, I wonder what would have happened if she called the police. Makes me a little nervous, I don't mm. know. But there's definitely some other resources that she could have called if she chose to do so. But her brain went to throwing water and she did that instead. So do you, do you believe the fellow employee who said, well, she usually helps homeless people. She said she was sick of it in the video. Well, she's sick of helping homeless people, is that, is that what we're? Perhaps that's what she meant. But she said she was sick of them. The fellow employee said, well, she usually helps them. And really? she could have, she, yeah, she could have found a better way to help in that situation. But uh, I don't see how dumping water on anyone at that time or any time would help. You know how mad you gotta be to go and grab a pot, take it to the faucet, fill it up, grab it, walk outside, then dump it. Like nothing occurred to her in that long process to do something different as far as finding some resources for the individual who was clearly struggling. So and doesn't it and doesn't it say more too about like where we are as a society, some of us, maybe too many of us, because you make a good point. All the time it would take to fill it up, do this. And she's not quiet, so she's probably ranting the whole time. And mm. no one in your midst. Not a fellow employee, not a customer said, you sure you wanna do that, Casey? I don't agree with it, no one. So it's like this unchecked thing that of course she would then post it because she doesn't see anything wrong with it. And I do think she should be charged. We'll get Jeff back, get him warmed up, much more indisputable when we come right back. Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie. The good doctor has the day off. I'm Sharon Reed. Alongside our co-hosts for the day, Rebel HQ contributor extraordinaire Jeff Wiggins is back out of Columbus for us today. And the end of the year, that means lots of lists, Jeff, and that includes Turks and Jerks. Um, we proudly present to you. The network has called its files and found all the best or worst people. Okay. Tonight, join Jank Anna. David Schuster, Brett Ehrlich as they crown the Turk and Jerk of 2022. It all starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on tyt.com slash live. And we're giving away shop TYT prizes to 20 random people who participate in our Jerk of the Year poll. <laughs> 23 people who vote in our Turk of the Year poll. Go to tyt.com slash polls and cast your vote. 
for a chance to win. Is there anybody who's top of mind, Jeff? We'll get to some viewer comments in a moment that you can think of. Who would be your jerk of the year? Uh, either Not to Ted, choose from. Yeah, either Ted Cruz or Lindsey Graham. I've okay. made several videos about which senator was the worst <laughs> senator, and those two are usually at the top of the list. It depends on the day, you're right. Because I was gonna say Lindsey, and then I remember something about Ted. And I said, you know, I wish they could share it, the top spot. But there's others too that may edge them out. But that's tonight at 8 o'clock, should be exciting. 8 Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Karen goes off on the Little Caesars worker viewer comment. Charlene says, just have to say, if your parents named you Karen, I am so sorry. Who knew that a woman's name could mean so much? To the real Karens, keep your conscience clear. And this is true. I know a great Karen, okay? I worked with her for several years. She's a great one. And I felt bad for her every time, you know, when this whole thing rose to prominence that, wow, you gotta put up with that. Could go by your middle name, though. Um, Karen employee dumps water on the homeless woman. Very stable photographer says, wow, that's up, man. Baton Rouge is my hometown, so sad and hateful. Baton Rouge has cracked down really hard on the unhoused population, relegating them to the worst neighborhoods. It's like out of sight, out of mind. Where do you want people to go, folks? It's just Dragon Fruit Dragon says, literally, what did homeless people do to deserve all the awful treatment they get on a regular basis. Well, they, they don't have homes, isn't that awful? Shouldn't they be mistreated? I mean, that's the rationale here, it's ridiculous. Winston Sire, thank you very much, TYT contributor. After working in customer service for years, I can say for a fact that the most moronic statement in history is that the customer is always right. You call it me a moron, <laughs> okay? Not one is always right, especially not Karen's. No, they weren't right back then too when I started working at McDonald's, but that was the philosophy we went with. That's true, there's a lot of wrong people out there, but these people take the cake. Okay, Mr. Henson, thank you for your contribution. <laughs> One more for you about that Karen employee who dumped water on the homeless man. She's never faced a struggle in her life. Well, maybe now that she's fired, she will. I still think she should have been arrested, Jeff. That's just me, okay? That's just me, at least investigate it. Uh, like somebody else we know, an incoming congressman. Who are you? Who are you, Congressman-elect Santos? Federal prosecutors opening a probe into Santos. Now the US Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of New York is investigating the finances of Representative-elect George Santos. It's entirely legit to say who are you at this point because every day it's something else, okay? 34-year-old reportedly has no assets. And was making 55 grand annually, double nickel, respectable salary at an investment firm prior to his first congressional run in 2020. That according to financial disclosures, okay? That's from Daily Beast. But just two years later, the admitted liar would file numbers to the tune of 3.5 million and 11.5 million, alleging to have brokered multi-million dollar deals for high net worth individuals, selling their planes, yachts, and other items through his business, the DeVolder organization, he told this organization this week. Those filings allowed Santos to sign over some $700,000 from the company to his campaign before dissolving the firm in September 2022, just a couple months ago. 
CBS News first reported the federal probe, which comes as the Nassau County District Attorney's Office announced Wednesday that it was looking into fabrications from Santos. Fabrications is such a clean, pretty word. This guy is a liar. Okay, he was Humpty Dumpty. Okay, shame. Nassau County District Attorney Ann Donnelly said the numerous fabrications and inconsistencies associated with Congressman Alex Santos are nothing short of stunning. Yeah. She said the residents in New York's third congressional district, which covers part of Nassau County, must have an honest and accountable representative in Congress. Now, that's where her statement loses me. I could say more. Okay. Not just Santos, okay? At any rate, no one is above the law. And if a crime was committed in this county, we will prosecute it. Another day, a multitude of lies coming out about this Congressman-elect, Congressman-elect Santos. Jeff, what do you make of what motivated him? I mean, he's not at all the person he's pretended to be as he ran for Congress. Who, what kind of person is motivated to do this? You know, when I was looking for a job right before I got this as a freelancer with TYT, I thought about, I don't know, just embellishing some of the mm-hmm. things that I've done in the past mm-hmm. in order to get noticed a little more because it was very <laughs> difficult to get noticed. Sure. With that said, I didn't dare do that because mm-hmm. worse than not getting a job is getting one and then getting that position taken away because I mm-hmm. lied in order to get it. I would rather get a position because of who I actually am then not mm-hmm. get it. But I'm just wondering, like, who does this dude think he is? Like, he didn't think he was gonna get caught. He didn't think anyone was gonna find out who he actually is and what he actually said about himself isn't true on his resume. So, where is this man's head at? Like, how did he think he was gonna pull this off? You know, I'm sorry, and I got lost in that one that one picture. Maybe they should put it up again. It looked like he was pondering the same question. Okay, and it's fascinating as you give us a play-by-play inside your own head and how you took a different route, much different than Congressman Alexis Santos and said, "I'm not a liar." There's that picture. Okay, and he says he changed now. This little Clark Kent thing going on. I don't know <laughs> who this guy is, and I suspect that we still don't know. Okay, only Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks he has a respectable bone in his body and he should be seated in Congress and we'll wait and see how he votes, okay? She's the only one I hear stepping up to the plate. Everybody else seems to just kind of be ducking and bobbing and weaving. This guy's incredible. There's nothing wrong with with making a $55,000 annual salary. There's nothing wrong with answering calls, working at a call center, okay? He spoke another language, that's how he was hired, okay? You didn't work. For Citigroup, you weren't a financial advisor and you didn't sell anyone's planes or yachts. Is this all the things that he lied about, Jeff? Do you think that's about him desiring these things, wanting to be noticed, wanting this this other life? Well, absolutely. And he felt like the life he wanted, he needed to be someone else. And so essentially he got it like he's, well, congressperson elect, but yeah, he got it. So it actually, it ultimately worked out for him um, as far as getting the position. But I think the, the weirdest part for me among everything else, which is a lot, is that he keeps saying, well, I'm not a criminal. I didn't commit a crime as if being immoral or unethical is part of the dilemma here. Like, dude, you you lied to a bunch of people in order to get where you are. We're not talking, we know we're not talking about a crime. I mean, maybe it should be a crime in a future. Yeah, maybe it is. 
But well, I yeah. thought the same thing, you know, because I the last time I've seen the old footage, I'm I'm not that old. But you know, the president, you know, I am not a crook. He utters almost the same. Who approved that? I guess maybe the press secretary quit and he's on his own. But why would you phrase it that way? And why would you, I can understand you wanna say you have money and you're close, Jeff, to all of these shiny things. Again, the yachts, the planes, but he also claimed the Holocaust, okay, is it his DNA, right? He said his grandparents escaped in Ukraine and this and that, that I think he also mentioned being, you know, a person of color too. Who? are you and why are you claiming not just to be associated with money and these shiny things, but real people who have struggled and suffered? It makes no sense to me. I mean, and with the I going back to the I am not a crook thing, it was like, hey homie, I didn't I didn't <laughs> think you right. were a crook. Now we have to investigate. You just you. Said now we have to that. look into that. Now we gotta look into it. Wow. Okay. And I want to say something else too, and maybe you'll comment on this. This man ran for Congress, had a whole campaign and won. Democrats, they need to stop looking at Santos and investigate themselves. You didn't know opposition research? What is that? The Democratic Party is way down low. You're so worried about Herschel and his vampires. We need to investigate this guy, okay? Google this guy, Democrats. Do that and maybe we wouldn't be in this predicament with Marjorie Taylor Greene telling everybody to shut up and let the man walk through the front door. It's crazy to me. I'll give you the last word. I mean, yeah, Herschel and the vampires, it was very much worth looking into because he could cause considerably more damage than this Santos character. How the Democrat, it's amazing when Republicans say like Democrats are up to no good and all this stuff, but don't you have to be like organized? We don't see that from Democrats. They definitely <laughs> missed they, they missed this one real bad. Big time. Big time. Uh, much more indisputable. Our wonderful co-host today is Jeff Wiggins, who is a Rebel HQ contributor, who we love, love the commentary. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Uh, let's move on to the next one, shall we? DC National Guard. More deaths if writers weren't white. It's an understatement. They're talking about the January 6 riots, domestic terrorism on Capitol Hill. And now we're hearing this. William J. Walker, the House Sergeant of Arms, who was the head of the DC National Guard during the insurrection, told the January 6 committee more rioters would have died if the mob had been largely black instead of overwhelmingly white. Where's Captain Obvious's hat and uniform for this guy? I don't even understand. Why are you saying this now? Okay. This is actually, this is a story. Okay. This is a headline. In an interview transcript released Tuesday, Walker told congressional investigators, quote, I'm African American, child of the 60s. I think it would have been a vastly different response if those were African Americans trying to breach the Capitol. Sergeant of Arms, they wouldn't even have made it. Okay, past a few barriers with their bear spray and stuff, wouldn't have happened, okay? They wouldn't have been housed in the hotels overnight. He goes on to say, as a career law enforcement officer, part-time soldier, last five years, full, but, but a law enforcement officer, my entire career, the law enforcement response would have been different. Uh, we know that. 
you know, as a law enforcement officer, there were, I saw enough to where I would have probably been using deadly force. I think it would have been more bloodshed if the composition would have been different. General Walker, please stop with this. Okay, we know this. Or maybe I'm wrong. And maybe, you know, his testimony was needed and we needed people, Jeff, to state the obvious. What say you? Well, yeah, we have a historical precedent for this. Before the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963, Robert Kennedy and John Kennedy told Dr. Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders that they were afraid that some bad stuff was going to happen. So they were prepared. And one of their preparations was having the march go past the the Capitol so Congress didn't fear that something was going to happen to them. So yeah, we, we know what this is and you're right. And everybody is right for assuming that there would have been much more bloodshed had, I don't know, I don't even say most of the J6 rioters were black, but just significantly more, like even 50-50. Yeah, that would have been much more bloodshed, absolutely. Yeah, the problem is it wouldn't even got to that. Like I said, they wouldn't have even been able to get anywhere close. Nancy Pelosi, the, the Vice President Pence, <laughs> Mitt Romney, they would have been eating sushi together. They wouldn't have been in any bunker arguing about who's wearing a mask. It would have never even come to that if there were brothers there. No, no, sir. His testimony echoes the observations Many Americans, including President Joe Biden, who noted the stark difference in the law enforcement response to protests in Washington following the May 2020 murder of George Floyd and the lax security at the Capitol on January 6. Walker, a former Drug Enforcement Administration official who became the House Sergeant at Arms in April 2021, also described his personal experiences with discriminatory law enforcement stops and discussed having the talk with his five children and his granddaughter about surviving police encounters as a black American. You're looking at somebody who would get stopped by the police for driving a high value government vehicle, no other reason. Yep, DC National Guard was not authorized to assist at the Capitol January 6th until after a delay of three hours and 19 minutes at the House Committee's report pins on a likely miscommunication between members of the civilian leadership in the Department of Defense. Really? Walker told investigators that it was clear to him beforehand that January 6th was going to be, quote, a big deal just from being aware of what was happening in the world. I'm an intelligence officer. To me, the intelligence was there that this was going to be a big deal, he said, citing the civil unrest in November and December when. Trump supporters came to Washington, that from NBC News. This notion about miscommunication, I mean, we had the governor of Maryland, a Republican, Trump critic, in communication with members of Congress saying, I'm trying, I got them at the ready, the National Guard, Maryland National Guard is at the ready, they will assist, but we technically, we gotta get called in. We can't just show up, somebody's gotta officially bring us in. Miscommunication, Jeff? No, no. I want to read something right quick because I think weird stuff when I first come across the story. But there was a man named Troy Anthony Smocks. He was 58 last year. He was sentenced to 14 months in prison for his involvement with the riots at the US Capitol. He, he didn't go in the Capitol that day, but he was there. 
at that time, that 14 months was the harshest sentence for anybody involved with J6, a black man. So it's on the front end, it's if there were more tough. black men, <laughs> if there was more black men, yeah, it would have been bad. But on the back end, yeah, you're getting, you're getting judged harsher and then charged harsher as well. So yeah, we we know what this is. I hopefully this isn't controversial, right? Like this isn't in you know, this is pretty indisputable, honestly. Yeah, this is pretty indisputable about what would have happened. And then so this man I just named, yeah, he uh well he went by Colonel T. Perez. He went by Colonel T. Perez <laughs> and uh yeah, he had the harshest sentence at the time because of his involvement with J6. And he was one of very few black people, black men uh, there that day. And he still got the harshest sentence at that time. So again, we know what this is. This isn't this isn't up for debate, really. Well, and he wasn't with Antifa, right? Trying to flip the script and blame it on a bunch of angry white people, was he? He's not, I mean, they didn't say anything about Antifa, does it? Depending on who you ask. Depending on who you ask, it's just, you know. Listen, folks, we can keep stating the obvious or more people can get angry here and say, we're not gonna put up with this this American lie, which is it's pretty American to lie and restate facts historically, sadly. But we have to be honest or not, depends on who you are, depends on what you believe. This is Indisputable, Dr. Rashad Ritchie, I'm Sharon Reed. In for the good doctor today alongside co-host Jeff Wiggins, Rebel HQ contributor, we're right back. Welcome back to Indisputable, I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. The end of the year is the perfect time, shop, stock up. Many people have a little bit of time off, enjoying time with their family, shoptyt.com, shall we? Um, it's the perfect time, as we said, to stock up on that warm and toasty progressive winter gear. I think progressive gear keeps you warmer, actually, I do. It's more authentic, if you will. Uh, between now and the new year, you get 30% off our winter collection on shoptyt.com. And I think I want everyone in that collection, okay? Every single one, you can add it to your collection and be nice and toasty warm, no matter where you are. Another blizzard comes through, got it covered. Let's get you some viewer comments now. TYT member, very stable photographers back. Commenting on federal prosecutors opening the probe into incoming Congressman-elect Santos's finances. I don't see Republicans freaking out because this was just a litmus test to see how far they can push fraudulent oh. candidates. Haven't they pushed it enough? Okay, we saw 2016, like don't you think they pushed it enough? Apparently not, very stable photographer, thank you for your comments. Lynn says, I'm just surprised that Santos didn't claim to have previously been a police officer and an FBI agent. Again, she's raising the ghost of Herschel Walker here, okay? Now that we know of Lynn, Santos has not held up a badge and said that he has powers to arrest people. But you never know, tomorrow's another day. You know, before the week's out, we might get that revelation. More on this federal prosecutors opening a probe into Santos's finances from YouTube. Nikki Chantel, what motivates him? This is what happens when you allow one orange clown lie his way into office and more follow suit. 
Okay, we don't call names unless it's appropriate. That's <laughs> a disclaimer I'm made to read. Okay, but we don't do that unless it's appropriate. Thank you for your comment, Nikki Chantel. It's appropriate. Okay, uh, see Michael Henson, YouTube. I am not a crook. Guilty people speak quickly. Okay, this is true. This is true. YouTube member Michael R. Welcome to Indisputable. Thank you. We appreciate you. And Soul Life gifted five Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie memberships. Very nice and very much appreciated. This next story that I want to talk about, Jeff Wiggins, our extraordinary co-host today, is this Ivy League institution, Yale. Okay, and at face value, you might think they're doing something positive here, giving back, trying to right wrong. I don't know that I see it that way. I don't know if I see it that way at all. Here's what Yale is doing, and again, I want you to just listen and then take it with a grain of salt and look at the fine print, which I'm going to give you. Yale's slavery reparations effort falls short in my view. Yale has decided to pay reparations for its involvement, big involvement in American slavery. And has set up an $80,000 scholarship to send students graduating from a local Connecticut high school to an HBCU of their choice. I love HBCUs, I live in Atlanta. They're great institutions of higher learning. But really, Yale, this is what you're doing and this is all you can do? Okay. University announced the launch of the Pennington Fellowship on December 12th. That fund created to support New Haven public school students desiring to attend one of the 107 colleges designated as HBCUs. Pennington Fellowship will be a competitive scholarship. And over the course of four years, we'll support 10 to 12 students in each college bound cohort, according to President Peter Salovey. How much money does Yale have? A competitive scholarship. President Peter Salovey said, quote, when fully implemented, about 40 to 50 students will receive Pennington scholarships at any given time. Scholarship criterion. Require seniors attending any New Haven public high school, submit an essay, provide a letter of recommendation and have participated in at least 40 hours of community service. Historically, haven't these students and their lineage served enough, done enough community service here? President of Yale, that's the criteria. Should a student receive the scholarship and complete the four year program in a black college, Yale would be responsible for $80,000 in tuition and fees for the fella. It's not bad money, it's just not enough. It's not enough given what Yale perpetrated and given what Yale benefited as a result of it and who and what they have today. Scholarship addresses in part, present goes on to say, Historical disparities in educational opportunities for black citizens. It will be funded by Yale, administered by the New Haven Promise Program, which the university co-founded in 2010 to put the dream of a college education within reach for young people in our home city who otherwise could not afford it. That's from the school's website. The real motivation was to kind of 
cleanse ourselves, rid ourselves of what we did for so long and how we're connected and promoted slavery. Okay, this is Yale's way of saying sorry, but the caveat is there are no HBCUs in Connecticut. So you're gonna take your, you're gonna leave the state of Connecticut if you wanna go to college, black kids. Okay, if you wanna benefit from this, you're not coming to Yale. You're going to an HBCU. Again, we love HBCUs. It's not the point here, not the point. No HBCUs in Connecticut, so the students will have to seek out of state colleges because in 1831, esteemed members of the Yale community joined leaders of New Haven to stop a proposal that would build a college for blacks, even though it was their enslaved ancestors who built Connecticut Hall. That's on the left, there's a beautiful building. Quality work, free labor did that. It's excellent craftsmanship. In the mid 18th century, moreover, the bigotry can be found in Yale's Memorial Hall Rotunda, that's on the right, which is inscribed with the names of Confederate soldiers, politicians, and other Southern state shareholders. The worst of the worst, lowest of the low. Okay, I guess. Meanwhile, on December 19th, okay, so that's Yale. Let me get you to comment on Yale before I move on to some other players peddling historical racism and trying to cleanse themselves of it. Jeff, what do you make of Yale's effort here? Am I being too hard? Should we just be happy with what I call scraps? No, no, you have standards and you would like them to be set a certain way and then met a certain way. And so I was sitting here looking up how many black people attend Yale year to year. And I think of it's 100 and what's it? Oh, it's 6%. Uh, their student body is black. I would like it if that were to go up a little bit. And I'm sure somebody who's watching this right now will talk about like credibility and if black students are worthy of going. Oh but there are goodness. pathways to get there because not every student at Yale deserves to be there. We've talked Thank about this you. before when it comes to like donors or something like that, or people who were legacies and stuff like that. So, yes. As you alluded to, HBCUs are excellent institutions of higher learning. I wish I would have considered an HBCU, but mm -hmm. I went to Ohio State and I'm glad I did that. But there are excellent opportunities for kids to go to HBCUs and I'm glad Yale is doing this. Is it enough? No, no it's not. So I'm yeah. glad you have standards. Yeah, I got standards. And after what you did Yale and how much money, Yale is benefiting right now off of slavery. Okay, they never stopped benefiting. Billions, okay? So I don't know why you wouldn't say, you know what? For the next 10 years, I can barely spit it out, but I'm gonna say 50% of incoming students should be people of color, descendants of slaves. That's what they should do. If you really wanna right the wrongs, this memorial hall with the Confederate names, why is that still a thing? Okay? What we can, if you wanna have a committee, I'm happy to join it. And I'm sure Jeff, you can make time. Will it be a paid position? You're gonna pay us to be on the committee. But we yes, can tell sir. you what to do, no? I mean, yeah, there has to be more they can do. And again, maybe at the expense of you and I coming off as ungrateful and entitled, which whatever. I've been called that before, whatever. I, oh yeah, <laughs> me too, and that's fine. Like me just wanting handouts from the government. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, we know who gets handouts from the government, but that includes a lot of the <laughs> students, which is 12,000 by the way. Being able to attend Yale, mm. it was a lot of these students, it's because it was handed to them. So there's no reason why we can't give some of this to black students as well. So again, 
Let's just acknowledge this. Excellent. $80,000 is nothing to sneeze at. I'm glad they got it. They deserve it. And hopefully they use that money wisely when they attend to any amount of HBCUs we have two here in Ohio. But no, more could definitely been done. Yeah, you fall short, Mr. President, and don't talk to me about what this is does and right and wrongs. It's still all wrong, okay? Some people didn't even wanna give money, so they didn't. They just said, sorry, sorry, okay? And we're talking about December 19th, Dutch Prime Minister, Mark Rutte of the Netherlands, gave a 20 minute apology for the government's role as a lead player in the transatlantic slave trade. Okay, 20 minutes he stood there and he apologized after all this time. Activist Beryl Beekman, chair of the Netherlands Platform for Slavery Past and black Dutch woman, asked the prime minister, why the rush? In the past, Rutte believed an apology would hurt society by exposing it's slave history. And I'm gonna pause and give you give you a time to comment on that. Again, let's set the stage here, the prime minister had resisted this for years and said, we don't want to apologize because what it's really gonna do is it's gonna hurt people in our community, our greater society, Jeff. You know, cuz it exposes a slave history and we don't want to talk about that. How is apologizing hurting society? That's, I mean, why the rush? Yeah, but we, we if we have more time, we need to talk about King Leopold who killed a lot of Africans in his time, but Apparently, apologies hurt society. Well, they do. And as you know, sometimes when you harm a woman is not related to anything near what went on in the Netherlands and their role in slavery. But when you hurt a woman, there gets to be a point where you say, I don't even want your apology. I just want you out of here, okay? And I suspect with this next story, TJ Holmes's wife is probably happy he just filed for divorce yesterday. Yet TJ's the one that's pulling the plug, making it official. You might want to do that a few months ago. But anyway, it's alleged he had an affair with his co-anchor, Amy Robach, that started when the two started training together. I mean, what kind of training was it for the marathon? I don't know. But they needed to do physical activity, they did it, they finished the marathon, okay? I'll move on. TJ Holmes, as we said, filed for divorce from his second wife, Marilee Feibig, after his alleged affair with this good Morning America co-host became public. Again, they, they were outed. Remember the butt grabbing footage that we mm. saw, okay? Mm. Daily Mail. It's reported that Feibig was quote, blindsided by the affair. Had no idea this was going on. Look at TJ creeping me behind. I just can't with the photos. And I understand it's part of the story. It's not for me to even get into it. Thank you for removing that because it's, I'm disgusted, okay? He's not my man and I'm disgusted by the way he's carried himself here and seems to have be out for himself is what it is. Our source said the two have been separated for several months. But that they were trying to work things out when news of the alleged workplace romance broke in late November. Several workplace romances, if you believe everything's mm. written. She's devastated, she had no idea, our informant said. 
adding that the two were just together for TJ's birthday on August 19th. That's from page six. Here's that cringeworthy quote from Holmes on their 10th wedding anniversary. I'm gonna try to get through without throwing up. 10 years ago, Marilee Fibig married me and despite my best efforts, she remained married to me the past 10 years. That's not hyperbole, I'm not being dramatic. I gave her plenty of reasons, excuses and opportunities to walk her fine ass out the door. See, and this is what, there's such a lack of authenticity as he writes this post that seemingly, you know, he's trying to spit bars here, okay? He's so cool with his gangster lean. Respect a woman, that would be a lot cooler, TJ. Okay, and don't post about me, okay, is what he needs to be told. Don't post about me if it's gonna come back to home. Because I, she doesn't seem like a woman who wants to even be part of this, Jeff. But here she is, as TJ prances around. According to page six, their source claims Holmes and Robach started seeing each other in March. There they are with their medals, back to back, <laughs> while they were training. Well, New York City Marathon, they both left their spouses in August. Did they really? Because she was, remember, Marilee Fibig was with TJ. His birthday was in August, right? Never could. I had an ex who tried to sit, I took him to therapy. I said, we're going to therapy. And I said, because I'm not gonna sit here and argue with you like I don't have the facts. I did a whole Google slide. I produced a Google slide and I said, well, he can go first. We needed that closure, Jeff. I said, you can let him go first. And indeed, he took the bait. I, and I didn't, I, it's not a surprise like TJ did to Marilee. I said, by the way, I have produced something for when we go to therapy on Thursday. And I just want to let you know, I've, I have our timeline, our relationship timeline. And I'm going to have, and he said, well, you're always investigating somebody because you do the news. It's not an investigation, this is our history. Shouldn't Marilee Fibig be just ecstatic this New Year's Eve? I understand they have a child and it's difficult when relationships break up. But shouldn't she be happy that this guy pulled the plug? There's definitely going to be a time of grieving and she definitely deserves that because whatever idea she had about her future probably wasn't this. I think we can go out and say that. So yeah, I think she should celebrate a little bit to get rid of a man who that post you read, that's embarrassing. Like I understand that the spirit of it, but he embarrassed her. Like, dude, come on, man. And then uh, he, he, I just know you brought up the pictures earlier with you know with the two of them being caught in public butt grabbing and everything like that, which I'm glad that marathon picture was back to back and not front to front. Never mind. So I'm just <laughs> like his 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 now soon to be ex wife has gone through enough. So while we should be happy that she's going to rid herself of this very toxic person, yeah, there's going to be some grieving in her life because there was a lot of hopes and dreams set aside for her in that marriage and that relationship, because that's just how those things go. So happy for her, but sad for her at the exact same time. You know, I don't have a, a psychology degree, I'm not a doctor, but this reeks of narcissism. In fact, the other day I went, what's that smell? And then I just looked up and I saw it on page six or something. TJ was in Atlanta, there were pictures of him at Hartsville Jackson. And I said, well, there it is. I thought I smelled something, okay, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the way he's conducted himself here, people fall in love, they fall in and out of love, things happen. But don't so, think Jeff, it's the way you conduct yourself, a daughter, right? A woman who you claim to love and were married and you posted about, don't post about me, okay? Uh, you gotta stop posting about me. 
And this so, is what you're doing, you're strutting about? When you found out he was in Atlanta, did you tell your friends to be aware of a, a black? Oh, I warned everyone. I said I put out a bolo. I did, and I don't really believe in bolos because they always get black men in trouble who are misidentified. I put out a bolo to all women everywhere, and I made the age really wide. And I said, beware. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's staying here, passing mm-hmm. through the airport, but he is in our city, and I want you to keep your guard up. Lock your doors, okay, don't answer the phone, okay? TJ is in town. And I have not touched Amy Robach, who has her own seemingly rich history, whatever. People fall in and out of love, okay? It just seems really dirty the way things are being conducted here. And maybe you could say, who are you sharing to even comment on these people? Oh, I don't know. But I think she should produce a Google slide, Marilee. And give it to him. <laughs> I said, these Google slides are wonderful because it's not my words, it's your words. I took uh, footage, voicemails, emails, texts, everything's got a timeline. And I produced this Google slide. And then when he would say something, he'd say, Well, Sharon, what do you have to say? Boop. Google slide. Google slide. I think he has to confront, you know, that there was a show about it. Look at your life, I think it was called Jack. Shouldn't oh, he confront this? Well, look, tis the season. I wonder if the ghost of Christmas past went to go visit him a couple of days ago for Christmas. Just to show him who he is. And maybe that's why this result has come about. Because a couple of ghosts visited him while he was supposed to be sleeping for Christmas. So good job out of them. I couldn't agree more. Okay. I want you to stay out of my city until you get well, TJ. And maybe he was here first. I don't know. He did work at CNN all those years. I'm We'll leave it at that. They really don't want to keep doing this story with me because I go off the rails. It's personal to me, whatever. <laughs> Jeff Wiggins, we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, I have a YouTube channel called We Gonna Be All Right. And I'm of course a Rebel HQ contributor. So I have videos coming out every day of the week pretty much depending on how much I make per week. So come and check me out there. All right, well, we love, love, love to hear it. And just take food for thought. Everybody should produce a Google slide. It's less emotional that way. It's like, gotcha. I love it. I'm Sharon Reed for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. This is indisputable. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop. And you won't stop either.